I don't know, it may just be me, but uh, I really got a feeling like we could catch fire and have a great season, huh? Welcome to Season 7 of the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that unpacks proven principles and actionable strategies for high performance in sports and business. And now, here is your host, a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of Raise Your Game, Alan Stein Jr. Do you know who I am? No. I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. Hey, 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 thank you so much for tuning in and investing your attention with me. In today's episode, I reconnect with my good friend and mentor, David Meltzer. David is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing, the host of The Playbook Podcast, and a three-time internationally best-selling author including his most recent book, Game Time Decision Making. David's mantra is make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have a lot of fun doing both. David is a must-follow on Instagram, at David Meltzer. And for info on his books, speaking, podcast, and his free weekly training every single Friday, check out dmeltzer.com. I sure hope you enjoy my conversation with David Meltzer. One of the, the things that I think is so cool about you is this concept of, of pivoting and reinvention. You know, I know I've only known you personally over the last couple of years, but, you know, when I hear your journey, it sounds like you've pivoted and reinvented yourself both personally and professionally many times over. So uh, what are some thoughts on, on reinvention? Is that even a term that you use? Reengineering is the term that I use. You know, I don't have to invent myself. I'm here. For me, one of the biggest advantages of my whole life is I grew up poor. And the reason I say that is I didn't utilize the construct that my mom was teaching, which was doctor, lawyer, failure. Fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. I utilized that to appease her because I would do anything to honor my mom to promote myself. But my real attention and intention was to make a lot of money. And although I still studied hard and wanted to appease my mom, my real focus and primary interest was to make a lot of money to buy my mom a house and a car so she wouldn't have the financial stresses of working two jobs and packing our dinners and crying over the car and all the things that a lot of people out there know what it feels like to look at the people that sacrifice so much for you to give back to them. But the advantage was this re-engineering occurs when you're money motivated. One of the positive things about it is that you're always looking for more money, more options, more different things to do. So if, you're, if your objective and emotions are tied to that outcome, I want to keep making more money so I can help people. Well, you're always looking for something better. You're always re-engineering. And so, you know, I had to go through a long journey and a lot of lessons to understand that currency money, the object of energy that I put into the flow to not attach my emotions to it that it was for me because I would give to receive. But instead, once I understood the laws of Goya and attraction coming through me for others, that I was just a conduit of connectivity, a conduit to what I was already connected to, the greatest source of light, love and lessons and everybody else, it took on a whole new level of maintenance, as you would say, of re-engineering. And I was thought you were gonna say, it's funny that you've only known me a few years. I thought you were gonna say, God, you've re-engineered yourself so many different times the last three years since I met you. 
uh, of where you're going. And it's true. I just have all the options open to me. I'm looking for expansion, growth, and acceleration, and I'm not defining myself by ego. Let me just quickly say, and then I'll get ask another question, but ego, we define ourselves by one, our employment status. So when people say Dave's reinvented himself, he's a phoenix, he's, no, I don't define myself by some employee. I wasn't Lee Steinberg CEO or the first CEO of this first smartphone or, you know, Warren Moon's business partner and CEO of Sports One Marketing, author, speaker. These are not what I look at because that's ego-based. You cannot define yourself by your employment status. Too many people do, and you're going to disappoint because you're not what you do. You're not a title. You're not a job. You're not a career. Two, I don't define myself anymore from what I get. Uh, so many people, I, I define myself for about 36 years by my bank account. Literally, if I looked at my bank account and there's eight figures in there, nine figures in there, man, I was happy, right? So I had completely defined myself by what I was getting, what I had, cars, houses, boats, motorhomes, golf courses, ski mountains, whatever it was. You can't define yourself. That's the G. So you got the E is employment status. G is what you get. And the last one I'm still working through, and that's the O, what other people think about me. Seeking approval of others, family, friends, associates. You know, people are going to laugh at you, scoff at you, make fun of you, especially when you're trying to empower over a billion people to be happy. They're going to make fun of you. You cannot seek what other people want for you because you will manifest it. You can't seek what you don't want for yourself either, which falls into that O. So I really look at the EGO and I don't allow that to define me, allowing me to re-engineer, accelerate, grow, expand into something more that's better. I believe in a plateau and grow type of opportunity instead of the myth of Sisyphus. Everybody sees life as you push a boulder up to the top of the hill, then it rolls back down. I lived that once for the first 36 years of my life. I decided 15 years ago, no more. I'm going to find my highest frequency in the morning, and that's going to be my baseline to plateau and grow and re-engineer myself to my highest potential. Man, so much gold there. And you did reference a couple times almost a, a before and after with the 36-year mark kind of being that pivotal time where uh, maybe for the first 36 years, you weren't as worldly and as enlightened as you are now. So what was the major change that occurred? Because uh, it almost sounds like it was a light switch moment because you said that very specifically a couple times. Yeah. So for me, believe it or not, it was when it was the it was a triad of things, but that was the, the big one. So just to take uh, everyone back, I literally believe money about happiness and love. Millionaires nine months out of law school. Everything I did from 24 years old reaffirmed that money bought love and happiness. Multi-millionaire. By the time I was mid-20s, I ran the first smartphone division at Samsung. I ran Lee Steinberg, the greatest sports agency in the world. I partnered with Warren Moon. L literally everything goes my way. Well, at 30 years old, though, when I was CEO of, of the smartphone company, PCE Phone, my best, uh, my dad sent me a gift. And this was the, the first of the triad. He sent me a jacket for my birthday. It was actually a peace offering. It's the first birthday gift he offered me in 20 years because when I was 10, he left when I was five. When I was 10, he forgot my birthday, which was bad enough because he was my hero, but he lied to me. He said to me, I didn't forget your birthday. I don't believe in birthdays, even though he had celebrate my sibling's birthday, his wife who was closer to my age than his birthday, his own birthday. And I was crushed. 
When your hero is a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, and back-end seller, it crushes you. And that was a defining moment at 30. He gave me a jacket, and I thought he was giving me a peace offering. I put it on. It's a sport coat. He had torn out all the pockets. And now I got really aggravated. My, I started crying. My wife's like, what's the matter? I said, I, I thought me and my dad could reestablish a relationship. I thought that he was getting it. And I was in my own arrogance, right? Meanwhile, he was the one that got it because he was giving me a jacket. I called him. I was like, why are you punishing me? He said, I'm not punishing you. I said, why would you give me a jacket I can't wear? He said, it's not for wearing. I said, what's it for? He said, hang it in your closet. Look at it every day. Remind yourself money doesn't buy love. You can't take anything with you when you're gone. Remind yourself you'll be buried in that jacket. Remind yourself you're just like me. Don't make the same mistakes that I've made. At 30 years old, multimillionaire, married to my dream girl, I wasn't ready to hear it. I told him to F off. And I, I said, I'm nothing. I, I remember this quote because I eat my own words. I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, backend seller. I hate you. F you. Goodbye. That was the words. Six years later, when I was 36 years old, uh, my best friend, I was running Lee Steinberg, the notable sports agency. In case people don't remember Lee Steinberg, they made the movie Jerry Maguire after him. Uh, but I had access to everything. I was representing over $2 billion in management. You know, I, I could do whatever I wanted. And my best friend, I, Rob, who actually asked my wife at sixth grade camp to go study for me. And she said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And you've met my wife, so you can imagine. I threw an egg at her. Anyway, I asked Rob, go to the master's with me. Come join me. We'll go to the back to the cabins with Curtis Strange. I have access with all the announcers, Jim Nance, everybody there I'll introduce you to. And he looked at me and said, I'm not going. I said, Rob, why not? He said, I don't like who you hang out with and I don't like what you're doing. I looked at him. I'm like, I'm not doing what those guys are doing, Rob. He said, Dave, you could lie to me. Don't lie to yourself. Things are not going well for you. And there's a book by Stephen Hurst that says, don't take yes for an answer. At that moment, the, the second gem of my transition, of my transformation that was going to occur was that I realized at that moment that I've been taking yes for an answer from everyone, that I have been believing my own BS, that I have been living in the wrong light. And it was just two weeks later, my life would change. I came home. I asked my wife if I could go to the Grammy Awards with Little John the Rapper. And... She said, no, you're not paying attention to the family. You're not paying attention uh, to your business. You're drinking and partying way too much. You, you need to stay home. Well, I lied to her, went to the, uh, changed clothes in the car, told her I had a business meeting. I ended up coming home 5.30 in the morning wasted, which was a typical thing for me uh, those past few years. And there was my wife waiting. And for the first time, she didn't give me yes for an answer. She told me she wasn't happy. She told me that she was going to leave me. That I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become, or she thought I'd end up dead. I wasn't ready to hear that. I literally took the needs of the ego right away and said, how dare you talk to me this way? Look around you. Look at the cars, the houses, the motorhome, the boats. How dare you? Who do you think you're talking to? I'll show you. And I went to bed and I woke up figuring that I was going to take her happiness and her love from me because money buys love and happiness. I was going to get divorced and show her who the boss was. And just when I was full of hate, anger, resentment, offense, ego, 
I was picking up the phone to figure out what law friend I knew from law school that would help me. And just like the movie, The Natural, if you remember Wonder Boy, the bat, I swear that jacket hanging in my closet, light was shining down on it. I looked at it. I get choked up thinking about it because that's how much, when you say you had that one moment, that one moment I looked at it and I'm like, dang, I don't hate my father. I hate myself. I'm the liar. I'm a cheater. I'm an overseller, a backend seller, and a manipulator. It's me I don't like. And I'm going to take stock in who I was. And from that time on, 15 years ago until now, I've utilized values and daily practices that have re-engineered, evolved into a philosophy of empowering over a billion people on earth to be happy like I am. And my definition of happiness is to enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit, pursuit of my own potential to plateau and grow with making a lot of money so I can help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. I don't live in a world of, of to me like a victim when I was a kid. I'm not living in the world of for me where I'm buying things I don't need to impress people I don't like. I live in a world of abundance, a world of more than enough. Everything comes through me for others. And that's what I want to teach. That's what I want to empower and inspire others to do the same, simply to be happy. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. How would you like to improve the buy-in and believe-in from every member of your team? If so, you need to check out the newly released StrongerTeam.com. StrongerTeam.com is a comprehensive collection of resources that can be utilized to raise organizational performance from sports teams to Fortune 500 companies by focusing on developing the five C's of a high-performing culture, cohesion, chemistry, communication, collaboration, and commitment. StrongerTeam.com provides you with the tools you need to build a winning organization. Visit StrongerTeam.com to join the movement. Well, I mean, you know, as a personal endorsement, you've definitely done that for me. You know, one of the biggest challenges I've had is I've, I've always grown up with a scarcity mindset. That was kind of how I was raised. So I'm, I'm slowly trying to rewire myself to have that abundance mindset because on a conscious and logical level, that's what I want and that's what makes sense but I still got some work to do. So what are some of these daily practices and routines that you do to live this new life post 36? Yeah, so the first one is really simple. They're all simple, but like saying thank you, for example, simple, but it'll change your life if you say thank you before you go to bed and when you wake up, but most people won't do it. Uh, even though metaphysically, quantum physically and physically, even the greatest thought leaders in the world will tell you the attitude of gratitude will change your life. Most people won't even take 0.1 seconds to say thank you. Well, the first practice that I have is to take inventory of your values every day. So just take a couple moments to look at what is personally valuable for me today. Experientially, what do I want to experience today? Giving wise, what do I want to give today? What, how productive, what value do I want to provide? Service, solution, what do I want to provide to others today? And then that last quantum memory that you have difficulty with that I struggle with still today and fight. What do I want to receive so I can give? Not give to receive. It's not a trade and negotiation in a world of scarcity, a quid pro quo negotiated scarce result. Receive so you can give. In order to receive to give, there is a second currency and it's more than money and it's called faith. Faith is the object of energy that we put into the flow to get what we want. And if you work and practice that faith by taking inventory of your values every day, and most importantly, don't be afraid of being a hypocrite. 
You know, most people are afraid to say, hey, I didn't know what I was talking about yesterday. I, I found that in the whole political mismatch and pain to, and mindset is that just people to take it a second and say, you know what, I really don't know what I'm talking about, but here's what I'd like, right? I'd like unification. I'd like less taxes. I'd like pro-life or pro-choice, whatever you like. I, I'm good with that. But instead we're taking these positions of, I don't know what I don't know because they're afraid of being a hypocrite and you know, taking such a firm stance without having the knowledge of why they're taking it. I'm always evolving, re-engineering. I'm pursuing my potential and I'm radically humble in taking inventory of my values and knowing what I don't know and not being afraid of telling someone, you know, I know I told you that last week, last month, last year when I was 18, I'm not that person. I laugh now. Some of my friends as my brand has grown so much, even since we've met Alan, you know, some of my old high school friends, Oh yeah, Dave Meltzer, he's full of And my wife gets so offended. You know, we went to high school together. She's like, how dare? That's one of your best friends. How dare he say that about you? I said, well, he was one of my best friends when I was 18. And when I was 18, I was full of And what he says is the snapshot that he has. Now, I would invite him to come watch my videos, learn who I am today, see how I've accelerated, grown, and appreciated who I was and what I've learned. But without taking inventory of my values, we don't know our what. And if you want to test how little people know their what, you can always apply a why to the what. But when you just know or think about your why and have no what, you have no purpose, no passion, no profitability at all. So I say get your what first and apply the why. Apply the why, come up with the what. But just ask someone today, hey, what do you want to do? 99% of the people you meet will say, I don't know. Take someone to eat. Say, where do you want to go? I don't know. What do you want to order? I don't know. You got to know, if you know your values, you'll know exactly what you want. You'll be able to make decisions quickly that are more aligned, synergistic, supplementary to what you want to do according to your capabilities, your skills, your knowledge, and your desire. And if people don't take inventory of the values, they're lost. And that's one of the key practices of literally plateauing and growing and maintaining your success is you've got to take inventory every day and align it with the circumstances that exist of that day. So it almost sounds like one of the similarities of the uh, pre-36 David and the current David is both times you were living your values, but in the first half, your values were a little bit out of whack, uh, and, and, but you were still in alignment. You thought money would be the key to everything that you wanted, so that was your primary value, and that's what you pursued. Now you've certainly had a, a rearrangement and a, a realignment of those, um, and ultimately, I assume you make all of your decisions based on how well they align with your values, and it makes life very simple. Like this doesn't fit or this is a perfect fit. So I'll either do it or I won't. Absolutely. And I think once I determined that the, the currency of money, how important it remained to me, not because it bought me happiness and love, but what it did is it allowed me to shop. And if I shop for the right things at this pragmatic world, because money's still a currency, it is an object of energy we put into the flow to get what we want. And li literally, uh, when you realize that you shop for the right things like community centers and, you know, boys and girls clubs and, you know, educating your own children and providing, you're going to be super happy. But when you buy things you don't need to impress people you don't even like, it's going to create void shortages, obstacles, scarcity, corrosion and interference to the greatest source of light, love and lessons that is you. And I think that determination set forth a different trajectory for myself and allowed me to work through the quantum memory that you're working through is the radical humility to be able to receive. The radical humility, which is a second daily practice of asking for help. 
you know, if you're going to write one question down that Dave Meltzer asks in person on the phone via email, media, radio, print, TV, social media, everything I do, I gear to quantify, do you know, Alan, anyone that could help me? That question opens up the entire universe. It takes great courage and humility to ask someone, hey, do you know someone that can help me? This is what I want, according to my values that I just took inventory of. But most people, they think that they're doing a great service to the universe by simply always asking others, what can I do for you? What can I look very important, but it, you can't give what you don't have. And pretty soon you render yourself in a feeble disadvantaged, deluded position that is incapable of taking care of even yourself. Even my wife had to reaffirm this lesson to me recently in the last three years, because you know, I had rebounded. We had everything that we ever dreamed of again in the right way, in a humble way. And so I asked my wife, I said, you know, I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for you. What can I do for you? How can I be of service? And she looked at me and I thought, you know, new car, something, right? Not her, because she's way more enlightened than me. Uh, she's like the little Yoda. She said, uh, you need to take care of yourself. I said, what? She said, you need to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to take care of or be able to take care of other people. And I know that's really what you want to do. And you'll take good care of me. But you got to take care of yourself. You're, you're gaining weight. You're not exercising. You're putting your family first, your business second, and your health third. And by the time you get a choice whether you want to spend time with your family or make money, there's no room for working out and, and, and staying healthy. You need to prioritize that. You need to tell your children, no, I can't hang out. I'm going to go work out for an hour. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do this, sleep right, wake up at the... And it changed my life to reprioritize or re-engineer that one value. And it helped energetically me receive and saying, you know what? I'm going to be the strongest, most powerful, full of light being that I can be. And I'm going to give it all away. I'm going to give it all away with faith that there's plenty more for me to come through me for others. Wow. Yeah, that's that whole concept of, of self-care. I mean, the only way you can make sure a billion people are happy is if you're taking care of yourself first so that you have everything to give. And th this is incredible. Last question for you, which actually fits in with, I want to be so respectful of your time. Uh, how do you manage your time and your energy? I mean, you, uh, especially from following you on social and having the privilege of knowing you, you have a lot of commitments and you have a lot of people that are asking you for a lot of things between business and family. So, so how do you design your day and, and, and how do you actually schedule and arrange your time and your energy? Uh, beautiful. And I just did a time management uh, training last Friday. I've been doing trainings for 20 years, free trainings. So it's featured on Spotify. If anyone wants to see the playlist of the playbook, just like it, all my trainings are free. Go there. You can email me, david at dmelter.com for exercises guides. But time management is most important uh, because you can bend time. And here's how we do it. Number one, two routines. This was a, a great uh, enlightenment of my own. I've always been a routine person, right? Wake up at this time. I believe in efficient, effective, and statistically successful. Power of 64, twice as many as productive hours, twice as efficient, twice as effective. Seven days a week, you get 56 days of productivity in one week. When I blew out my comp plan, I'd worked 10 years and nine months. I wasn't really a good sales rep, but I beat them with time. So I was a very routine oriented person. Wake up at four, meditate 20 minutes, 10 minutes to get ready, work out, so on. In order to have a great routine, part of a routine should be being a student. What do I mean by that? Study what you have planned, study 
what you don't have planned and study your sleep. Study means, it's the mathematical equation of luck, by the way, studying. It's because what you pay attention to and give intention to what you think, say, do, believe, and these personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, what we call this quantum memory, Alan, that we apply. Attention plus intention equals coincidence. It's the luck of your life. And so if you study what you have planned, you're going to get lucky with what you have planned. If you study what you don't have planned, you're going to get lucky with your free time. And if you study your sleep, you're going to have more power to get lucky in your subconscious and unconscious mind, which will then exacerbate, accelerate, and exponentially allow you to expand and grow and learn more while you are awake. So study your calendar. Planned, don't have planned and sleep. Remember this about sleep. I know you, you know exercise really well. If I asked you, Alan, come, you know, let, let's go work out eight hours today together. You would say, okay, let's warm up. Well, every single day you exercise eight hours, it's called sleep. And the warm up for sleep is called a wind down routine. It's counterintuitive, but when you warm up for sleep, you need to extract all the negative energy from you, the interference, the voice. So don't listen to upsetting things and watch news and get into arguments and drink and do drugs and caffeine, all these things that create interference to that unbelievable, powerful eight-hour workout that you get every night that's going to just give you all the energy and, and enlightenment for tomorrow, the connectivity that you need from the most powerful source. Now, the real trick beyond being a student is have an adaptable routine. And the reason you wanna have an adaptable routine is because life happens. So as anal retentive and disciplined and strategic as I am with time, as conscientious and attentive as I am with time, you know, friends come into town, a big game goes to overtime, something happens in my life or my son just asked me, you know, hey, I wanna go swimming and my priorities change. If you have an adaptable routine, that's based off of your values that you've taken inventory for the day and you have determined your non-negotiables. So for me, here's some of my non-negotiables in my adaptable routine. No matter what, a minimum of an hour a day on my health. So my kids, my mom, no, no emergency. It is the priority that no matter, I have 24 hours of man-made constructive time, one hour is gonna be spent on my health and if, if I have emergencies, whatever, I'm going to make sure that it's three periods of 20 minutes or wh whatever it is every single day. The second one is to spend a minimum of 30 minutes with my wife, a minimum of 30 minutes with my 10-year-old son, a minimum of two minutes with my three teenage daughters. I asked for five minutes. They gave me two. And probably the best advice I'm going to give you here as we're winding down, I spend a minimum of a minute a day with my mom. And there's four things that parents want to know in the parental children relationship. One, if you're a child or a parent, you need to know one, that you're healthy, two, that you're, health, you're happy, three, that you appreciate my mom, I, she adds value to my life, and four, that I love her. If you can communicate that within the context of any relationship, that you're happy, healthy, love and appreciate, nobody wants anything else for you. Alan, that's all I want for you. I want you to be healthy, happy. I appreciate you and I love you. That's all I want. And so the last part is on my adaptable routine, a minimum of 10 minutes a day to study time. 
So if I take the minimum of an hour plus the minimum of about an hour and 15 minutes with the family, and then a minimum of 10 minutes, it's basically no more than two and a half hours of my 24 hours that are non-negotiable, adaptable. And what occurs because I'm studying the time is I'm using, even though it's adaptable, I'm using the best of what I have had planned, not planned in my sleep to make sure that I'm not disrupting my normal routine too much. And it keeps me in the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential. Man, I, you know, I, I think the best compliment I can give you is, you know, I've devoured your books. I listen to your podcast. I follow you on social. We've met several times in person. And in this 30 minutes, you still taught me several new things that somehow I didn't learn from all of those resources. I mean, I, I borderline stalk you and yet now I'm still learning new stuff. So every time you make time for me, man, I, I really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much for everything you're doing. You've had a huge impact on my life. Uh, and, and, and I just really want to thank you for that. Oh, I thank you for being such a great friend for learning. And most importantly, sucking in that knowledge and giving it away. Uh, so I know that you're impacting and empowering so many people yourself, elevate others to elevate yourself. That's the way you're living your life. Anything I can do for you, please let me know. And most importantly, Alan, to prove what I teach, do you know anyone that can help me? I'm looking for more people to come to my free trainings to learn how to be happy. They're at davidatdmeltzer.com. I do know plenty of people and I'll start sending them your way. And now a word from our sponsor. How would you like a free copy of my ultimate 90-day planner and habit tracker? If so, all you have to do is visit allensteinjr.com and subscribe to my tribe. I'll send you the 90-day planner along with two more free gifts. The key themes and strategies I share in my keynotes and a list of the eight books every leader must read. And by opting in, you'll also receive my monthly full timeout and 30-second timeout email newsletters, each of which is loaded with practical, actionable content to help you become the most impactful leader you're capable of. Visit allensteinjr.com to join the movement. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for investing your time with us. I hope this really helped you raise your game. If it did, would you be kind enough to do me a favor? As soon as you hit stop, will you please leave an online rating and review? Feel free to give it five stars and say something like this. That was awesome. <laughs>